I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. <laughs> Attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watched sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser Gate. All those moments will be lost in time. Like tears in rain. Chris Galza here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss The Art of Self-Defense, The Lion King 2019, the live-action air quotes version, and then Claire Denis' High Life. It's, it's, it's a big one, folks. And then it's going to be the return of everybody's favorite role-playing game, Who Dat Comic-Con Edition. Matt, there's a lot going on this week. We have The Art of Self-Defense from Riley Stearns. We have John Favreau's Lion King... I don't even know where to begin. Now, typically, we there's a, a way we do this that kind of gives away the game. So let's continue that tradition right now. Well, you came to the right place. You're learning karate. You're a blade, and I'm sharpening you. But there's a mental component as well. You mean like believing in myself? Yeah, that won't hurt. I'm talking about something a little different. What's your favorite style of music? Adult contemporary. No, should be metal. You ever listen to metal? You mean like hard rock? Metal is much more aggressive than hard rock. From now on, you listen to metal. Yeah. It's the toughest music there is. What about hobbies? Is there anything that you feel particularly passionate about other than your newfound passion for metal i enjoy france so matt is there anything you feel particularly passionate about besides this show yes no no that's that's about it the mm. show is my life i appreciate that it's nice to hear it, it warms mm-hmm. my dark cold heart <laughs> so when i tell the fine folks at home and on the road matt what is the art of self-defense all about. Sure. Jesse Eisenberg plays Casey. He gets uh, attacked. He's in a bit of a, a scuffle and he's looking for a way to, to defend himself. So he joins the local karate dojo. He kind of meets up with this kind of idiomatic sensei and starts to get involved with a, a intense student played by Imogene Poots. But then he starts going to night classes and it's a little different there. It's a little different there. <laughs> and stuff happens. And stuff happens, as always. Yeah. So, Matt, the art of self-defense is what we like to refer to here as a dark comedy. I would say perhaps a pitch black dark comedy. Yes. And I remember I sent you, I sent you, I texted you the trailer to this thing a while back. And, and you never responded. So I don't know if you didn't get it, if you didn't watch it, or you didn't, I don't know. But I saw the trailer and I'm like, all right, this, this might be interesting. So was it interesting? Was it more than that or much less? It was it was interesting. It was interesting and I would dare say more than that. I uh I'm not hugely I'm not usually a fan of dark comedies. I mean, I don't want them to be super dark and I guess this does go to some really dark places, but I still had a enjoyable time watching it. And I still thought it was it was pretty funny. I don't know what that says about me as a person, but <laughs> it was I actually had a pretty good time watching this. Yeah, Matt. For this, this thing came out of nowhere for me. From it was like a foot punch to the gut. I found it to be absolutely hilarious at times. I was easily laughing the loudest out of everybody in the theater, and I almost cried. I was laughing so hard at one point. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, uh, and I'll tell you about it off the off air. But I there is a couple things in this thing that just floored me. I could not take how hilarious it was. It gets a little dark in regard... Well, there's a few... 
not just one occasion, but quite a few. Unfortunately, there is an animal that is harmed, which I, I'm really kind of tired of. I don't need to see that happen anymore in my life. Though it, but it plays to some comic effect later on. But it is, I think, a pitch-perfect black comedy. I think there's some fascinating choices here that Stearns makes. And its use of uh, violence feels really, feels very real and shocking when it happens. Because the comedy is so effective. It's, it's use of exposition as dialogue. It's, it's odd because sometimes it'll come very, it's very straightforward and earnest. And other times, this thing is like off the walls wacky. And the way they deliver their lines, how they're talking too. It's very, it's, 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 like, it's like a mammoth film if everybody was high. It may not be, I think, as surprising as it tries to be. But I still found it just at times devilishly clever. And I don't know. It's, it, it's, for me, it's like a Fight Club-esque satire of toxic masculinity. Written and directed by Martin McDonough, right? Who did In Bruges, which is a, a fantastic film. It definitely had those kind of vibes. But it's a big statement also on, on like I said, toxic masculinity, uh, radicalization, I guess. Perhaps even its treatment and portrayal of, of women, for sure. You know, how, you know, she can't be a black belt. She's a woman. You know, that kind of, st- you know, just... There's just so much that this film has to say, and it does it exceptionally well. It is hilarious. I feel like when Stearns wrote this, he wrote this for Eisenberg. He's absolutely fantastic in this. It's perfect for him and what he brings to a film. So I absolutely love this thing. Yeah, me too. And I, I think that's funny that you, uh, when I was watching this thing, I kind of just put out a thought, the thought popped into my mind. This is like Fight Club. That's more obvious that it's a satire, whereas hopefully it's not going to get the adherence that Fight Club does. Because mm. um, if it does, that really says something about that person. I had a really good time watching this. I'm glad we got the chance to catch up with it. Yeah, to think too, we almost passed it up. I just, oh, I would never have forgiven myself. This thing is a dream, especially Alessandro Nivola who plays Sensei. It's <laughs> listen. I I don't know if the whole I don't know if I can even call it a mystery really works. I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out from the very beginning, but that's not the point. It's the journey we're on more so than the destination of figuring out what's happening. Right. Right. So. It's just absolutely hilarious. Uh, I'm going to give self-defense an A-. minus. Uh, Chris, I mean, it's tough because... Mark this day down, ladies and gentlemen, because Chris and I rarely agree, but uh, yeah, I'm going to give it an A- minus as well. There you go. <laughs> Whew, thank goodness. Whew, man. So, you know, it's a funny little backstory about this, too. Initially, Mary Elizabeth Winstead was supposed to be in this film. Oh. Except... You know who Riley Stearns is, right? No, I don't. Her ex-husband. Oh, okay. And she had that well, little explain that. with uh, Ewan McGregor on the set of Fargo. Okay. And ever since then, uh, they've since separated. And so, yeah, for some reason, she's no longer in the film. You know, way to be adult about it, guys. But uh, I can't wait to see what Stearns does next. I mean, this is his second film. I haven't seen his first, I confess. But this thing is a delight. But it is, I think, for a particular audience. I don't know if this is going to work for everybody. But if you enjoy the dark wit and the uncomfortable humor, then I think this is an absolute winner. I God, I so desperately want to talk about that joke that had me crying. Almost. Oh, it's so good. All right, if you had a chance to see Self-Defense, which is playing in most theaters now, you can shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday. Well, we actually have a certified classic on our hands from Warner Archive. Pretty girl. Yeah, she's a very nice type. You got types? Only you, darling. Lanky brunettes with wicked jaws. Leo, compliments to see you. Who is she? Oh, darling, I was hoping I wouldn't have to answer that. Come on. Well, Dorothy is really my daughter. You see, it was spring in Venice. When I was so young, I didn't know what I was doing. We're all like that on my father's side. By the way, how is your father's side? Oh, it's much better, thanks. And yours? Say, how many drinks have you had? This will make six martinis. 
All right. Will you bring me five more martinis? Leo, line them right up here. Yes, ma'am. So that is a clip from the absolute classic film, The Thin Man, Nick and Nora Charles, which made it kind of still be fun to be drunk back in the day. But that's getting released by Warner Archive on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, July 30th. They're also releasing Longshot, the Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron film, which I think was a bit of a surprise for us too, right, Matt? That was much better than we anticipated it was going to be. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of featurettes on the making of that one. You can check that out. The Dennis Quaid thriller, The Intruder, is being released. It, this trailer looked absolutely insane. Part of me wants to check it out because it looks like it's going to be a bunch of campy fun. Includes six deleted scenes, an alternate ending, as well as a gag reel. This is one where I guess where he sells the house, but he refuses really to leave. And he's uh, stalking the couple. Director Bo Huang's The Island is being released. A cataclysmic event causes a man who dreams of winning the lottery to become stranded on an island with his co-workers. We talked about The Thin Man, which features a brand new 4K remaster of the film. Warner Archive is also releasing A Streetcar Named Desire on Blu-ray. Shout Factory is giving us The Reptile, featuring a new audio commentary by a couple film historians, a new interview with the first assistant director as well. They're also giving us Lust for a Vampire, the Hammer film. Features a brand new 4K remaster of the original film struck from the camera negative. New audio commentary as well as a new interview. Shout Factory is also giving us Quartermass and The Pit with a bunch of new audio commentaries and interviews as well as the sequel Quartermass 2. A brand new 2K remaster from a pristine archival film print they found as well as some new audio commentaries and interviews. Vinegar Syndrome is giving us Play Dead, as well as Hellmaster, and, and of course, from their Dirty Collection, The Pink Ladies and Mascara. Too Scared to Scream, also known as The Doorman, is being released by Scorpion. It's a brand new remaster of that film with a couple of new interviews. And then being released on the first time, Matt in 4K, Glory. Straight to DVD pick, Matt, is going to be Devil Music. An L.A. rock band are desperate for fame and fortune at any cost. After their manager convinces them that a deal with the devil will grant them all their wishes, they load up in an RV and head out of the crossroads of Mississippi. That is M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Famed location of Faustian bargains. But will Old Scratch even show up? And if so, does this band have what it takes to make the darkest deal of all? I'm hoping Charlie Daniels shows up. What should we be streaming this week? I decided to watch a little blast from the past um, on Hulu this week. Uh, most of the Friday the 13th films are available on Hulu. So I'm going to recommend that you watch the first one. A delightful bit of late 70s, early 80s ridiculousness um, with a very, very young Kevin Bacon. The first one is really good. I was actually just started to read today before we went live. The I think it's Birth Movies Death. I have an article about... Friday the 13th 4, the final chapter. Okay. And how it is the best of the series. I don't know about that. That's the one they introduce uh, Corey Feldman as the psychic kid. <laughs> okay. You know, I've heard psychic, of that. His sister's psychic. Or is he psychic? The sister's psychic. I can't remember. They all burn together, rush together for me. Though I am a big fan. Jason is my, I think, my favorite out of all the big kind of monster guys. So... I just want to give a shout out to Norwal Music. They actually gave us a nice little comment on the YouTube channel. Remember, folks, sometimes we have the full live show like this. Other times we just load up an audio file into the YouTube so you can still listen to it. And then you don't have to suffer through actually looking at me. So that's all for the kids. Matt, let's go ahead and keep the train rolling. Let's spend a few minutes, hopefully very few, no, I'm just kidding. This is possibly my favorite film of the year. Let's talk about The Lion King. <gasps> oh, no, it's a little lion. That is not a lion. Well, then go check it out. What is that it? That is not a lion. It's a furry bird. It looks like a lion. Yeah, that's not a lion. Let me get a closer look. Excuse me. Oh, all right, let me see what we're dealing with here. It's a lion. Run for your life, Pumbaa. Wait, 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 wait. It's, just, it's a little lion. It gets bigger. Can we keep him? Can we please keep him? Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I promise. I'll walk him every day. If he makes a little mess, I'll clean it up. You'll be his little mess. He's going to eat you and then use my body as a toothpick. But one day, when he's big and strong, he'll be on our side. I've got it. What if he's on our side? Hear me out! Having a ferocious lion around might not be such a bad idea. Well, then can we keep him? Yes, of course we can keep him. My God, who is the brains of this operation? We're going to name him Fred. 
So, Matt, I think for me in this new updated computer animated version of The Lion King, I think Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner were the best parts of it. I think those are really the only standouts for me in this entire thing. You think so? I think so. Uh, This is almost entirely a shot-for-shot remake of the original animated classic. It is. I would also say that I thought I wasn't expecting to like... uh, I'm going to butcher his name, which I always do. Cheetahwool Andrafor, his portrayal of Scar. I actually, well, I was expecting because I, I, you know, Jeremy Irons kind of hammy classic performance in the animated film, but he was actually kind of menacing and a little scary, especially the way they kind of animate him. They somehow make it seem almost like he has a personality enough to where he is like the kind of jilted younger brother or whatever. And he's planning his revenge. I thought that was actually really effective because he's not as hammy as he's more sinister. And I, I like that. But other than that, yeah, I mean, it's nothing. I mean, you've seen it before. It's basically a shot for shot remake. And a lot of the stuff doesn't work as well as it did in the first one. Donald Glover's okay. Beyonce is Beyonce. And, you know, even her singing was a little over the top. They're almost non-presences in this. Yeah. Yeah. Almost everybody, actually, is a non-presence. I don't even know. I think this thing does the bare minimum to justify its existence. Mm-hmm. Really. I mean, well, I don't know. If that might be wrong. I think if you look at this purely as an exercise in meaningless capitalism, then it's, a, I think, a gigantic success because it's made a ton of money. But it doesn't... There's no reason for this to exist. I don't... It does. There's no soul to it, Matt. It's joyless. Yeah. And I really... I mean, listen, it looks great. All right, it looks fantastic, but it's just—I don't see the point. And when when people get all excited about Disney buying up all these properties and all these studios, this is what we're looking at, kids. All right, I mean, for every Avengers Endgame, you're gonna get this, and Marvel, Marvel, and Disney's all in on these updated, lifelike, you know, realistic-looking animated films. Mm-hmm. I don't. You're gonna, we're going to keep seeing. There's a Maleficent sequel coming out later this year. Mulan is getting a live action treatment. Yep, they've excised uh, the musical numbers out of that. Yeah, because I guess from what I understand, they want to be more uh, faithful to the material. Sure. So no talking Eddie Murphy dragon. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I didn't see one. Uh, but this is what happens. I mean, this is what we're going to get. And yeah. I but I don't I'm know if it's really fair to say that's the whole buying Disney buying properties. This is their property. This is something they've had. You know, even if they didn't buy Star Wars and Marvel and everything else, this is still something that they would decide to do. I get that, but, stuff. but it's it's more about their it's it's more about their commercialization and they're going to be the big dog mm-hmm. now. Not that they aren't already. Yeah. But they're going to be able to control I mean, once they open up their own theater chain. I mean, this is this is the kind of stuff we're going to continue to see. It's not so much about maybe buying up other properties, but more becoming this gigantic entertainment media juggernaut. Mm. So I, I don't know. This thing just doesn't it doesn't justify its existence to me. It doesn't bring anything or enough. Or it looks great, right? So look, look, computer technology. This is beautiful, but it's yeah. nothing else to it. Yeah. No, you're right. You really. I mean, I think uh, Chris, we were talking about movies we were going to go see, and I said, "You don't really, you don't really need to see this. I mean, we could, I could talk about it, and we don't need to see it. You're fine." But he went anyway, like a trooper. I do what I can. It's uh, I got to yeah. use up my A list, baby. I got to get my money. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you go see one movie, you got your money's worth in the, in the, in the, in the Dolby. Did uh, Kid TFR like it? Did you? Uh, she did. I mean, she did. Uh, she didn't like. Seemed like she loved it, but she seemed like she liked it well enough. Hmm. So, and yeah. I couldn't help. I've been hanging out on Nature is Brutal on on Reddit, and I couldn't look at any of that stuff the same way because it's, it's just awful. <laughs> I was like, you know, huh? I mean, I got there sometime, and it's like, man, they're all talking about getting eaten by lions and hyenas and stuff, and I'm like, that is that is looks like a really unpleasant experience so (laughs) i I don't it's nothing to joke about kids no it's not cute damn it that's right it's 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 grizzly man all over again Mm -hmm. no uh, why would you god good no good lord no (laughs) i wasn't have you been to nature's metal no nature's metal is pretty low-key but i mean it's you know it's just it's not gory or bloody or anything but it shows you know 
but then I somehow navigated to nature is brutal through nature is metal. And it was, it's not, it's gross. No, I'm it's pretty really much gross. on the, uh, the record training trading Reddit and then David Bowie. And, um, that's about that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> and then the front page, which I think is, there's a, I got, there's a heavy political influence on my front page. I wonder so, why. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> In movies, of course. Sure. 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 So uh, Lion King's playing everywhere now. It's made a ton of money. Do you think, th- will they do a sequel? You think? I don't know. I hope not. We'll see what happens. I mean, Beauty and the Beast made a ton of money. Jungle Book made a ton of money. What was the other one they just did? Aladdin. Aladdin's made mm-hmm. a, a ton of money. You know, I do want to revisit that. at the As we get closer to the end of the year, at the end of the year, after Star Wars comes out, we need to figure out, I think last year we predicted like eight out of ten. Disney would have eight out of ten of the top grossing films. That's right, yeah. And I want to see where we ended up on that. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. that. So I'm giving this a C-, minus. I think, just because of Rogan and Eichner. Are the only mm-hmm. things that really elevated above D territory for me? And it yeah. looks great. Yeah. But that's, it. Um, that's yeah. the best I can do. Yeah, I'm going C- minus as well. It's not anything you really need to see. I mean, if you want to take the kids out to something, fine. But it's a movie they've seen before, but not like kids care. I don't understand. Like, is it just they didn't do enough to differentiate it? I think part of it is by the fact that, you know, you've got this, it's still animated and it's still got the songs and everything like that. So you're expecting something to be more colorful and more expressive. And they made it look so real that animals don't really emote. So like, it just seemed like, you know, animatronics, like you're going through Pirates of the Caribbean or something singing at you. Yeah, that's a good point. I think you're right. You're much smarter than me. Ish. I don't, I don't know about that. So if you had a chance to see The Lion King playing everywhere now, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. As always, what up there your thoughts? All right. Speaking of thoughts, because I got a lot of them, let's spend a few minutes talking about Claire Denis' high life. Since we left the solar system... Radio silence. I'm hold up. Almost all of us are still alive. We were scum. Trash. Refuse that didn't fit into the system. Until someone had the bright idea of recycling us. Serve science. So Robert Pattinson there stars as Monty. He and a crew met of death row inmates, basically, volunteer, air quotes, to go investigate a black hole in an attempt to harness its energy for the Earth. And what we inevitably end up learning, basically, is that space is all about banging. It's all about people just getting it on. Is that what you would call that? Sure. (laughs) So there's a doctor that's part of the ship, that's part of the crew. And she is, she killed her, her husband and kid, right? And she's obsessed with experimenting on the rest of the crew to try and create a child. So what we basically have is here's a science fiction horror film that's all about, I think, what RNA drive possibly to propagate the species and how that may ultimately be our undoing. I mean, there's a lot going on in this thing. It has a non-linear plot, which I tend to enjoy, and I think mostly works in this film. I don't know, and I don't mean this as a negative comment, but I think that at times that Denise is more concerned with presenting some beautiful images more than telling in a riveting narrative it's a little kind of how do i describe this i find it kind of like almost like gossamer at times right like it's hard to kind of to grab a hold of so we're, we're cutting in and out of monty so one of the crew members ends up getting pregnant and eventually one by one something happens to mostly everybody ish and it's just him and this kid and it's him trying to take care of her 
as they hurtle to this black hole and all the things that they encounter. And it's, it's at times exceptionally dark and unnerving, at times just visually and emotionally arresting. I don't know if it quite lands the ending, but I was riveted by this thing. How about you? Yeah, I guess I was riveted, but I don't know. This is a pretty bleak film, and I don't really know where. Indeed. What exactly he's trying to say. Or she. Or she is trying to say, but we never know what the French. I mean, it could be. They say say Michelle for Michael, so who knows? But. Yeah, I don't. I don't really know what what the the director is trying to say with this, and it just seems like this hopeless, bleak march into madness kind of thing, where people who are already kind of at the lowest end, suffering garbage, as they as he said, and we get a hint at some of their crimes, not all of them, that you know they obviously deserve to be punished in some form or another, and but they've been kind of locked up in this box, and they've been given this mission, which at the end of the day, I think is just window dressing. I think they're really just trying to get rid of them. And I don't understand how, like why you wouldn't just execute them as opposed to spending all this money to shoot them into space kind of thing. I don't know. Like, I'm just trying to well, figure out a, the internal logic of this film. And it makes it's no a sense to me. dangerous mission. So they're going to send people whose lives they don't care about to see if they can pull it off. And then if they can, they can pull it off and come back and survive, then great. Though they're, they have no intention of them coming back, right? And uh, maybe it's more just a grand experiment. You just don't tell them that. And what do you care? Because they're all on death row anyway. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that's the structure. I guess where I was kind of going with this is that I was struggling with, I was nerding out with the fact that the space science of it didn't really work. And then I guess the fact that I didn't really understand what the, I understood what the mission was in theory, but I didn't understand how it was going to work. So I think it would have been better off if they had just kind of left all that out because there was no, I don't even know how you would bring in a box. that's basically a, a shipping crate launched into space would bring back energy from a black hole. It makes no sense to me, but well, obviously I'm focusing on the wrong things. They had a physicist and a black hole expert as a consultant, but an no, I know they did. did design the spacecraft so uh, i think that's fair yeah in any event i'm kind of going off track here it's just a dark film it's a tough watch mm. i don't really feel like there's any kind of redemption or hope in this thing it just seemed kind of like a slog to death and i'm not sure earns any of that i mean i think you're right i think it has a lot of static beautiful images um but i mean on the whole i don't know if the performances are great i think they're okay I don't know. I expected a lot more because I've heard a lot of good things. And I I don't know. I was generally unimpressed with this. Oh, that's too bad. I think there's definitely enough there to keep you keep you hooked. And I thought Pattinson was great in this. I mean, he really, at this point, and I'm really curious to see what he does with Batman. But he really disappears in these roles for me now. Not that he was ever, I mean, outside of the whole Edward thing, right? That he was, it's, it's not like it's a Clooney thing where everything he's in, he's George Clooney. But still, but he was great in this. So Andre Benjamin is exceptionally strong. Juliette Binoche, Mia Goth. I think everybody is really kind of fascinating and has some very, I think at times, subtle, layer, subtle layered performances that are, I mean, you can see the desperation in these people, you know? And I, I don't know. I just really thought it was really fascinating. And it's, and it's like I said, it's gorgeous to look at. It's got a nice, at times, almost uh, ambient score, which I enjoy. So I, 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 I rather enjoyed this thing. I'm giving it a B plus just for the experiment that it is and the chances that she takes and what she's able to give us, no matter how dark and disturbing it is. It's one of those where I can't get it out of my head, I think is the key, right? It's been stuck in my head since I saw it. So I give it a B plus. What about you? Yeah, I mean, I and I'm not saying I don't enjoy movies like that. We have seen so many movies, and I think that there are films that have been stuck in my head, and I've, I think they're better than that, that are more experimental. I give it a C plus. I, I just don't, I don't think. Uh, I think there's a nugget of some good ideas there. There's some good craft there, and I said generally the performances aren't good, but Robert Pattinson being, I think, the standout, um, the exception for me. But I don't know. I, I think it just. Um, is less it's just half baked a little for me interesting well, look at that we don't agree we're a whole letter wow. grade off 
It had to happen eventually. It's nothing drastic like a <clears throat> A versus F, but right. I don't know if that would ever happen at this point. Have to be. I don't know. We got French New Wave marathon coming up soon, so we shall see. <laughs> yes, we shall. All right, so uh, go ahead, Matt. We're going to move on, and it's going to be time to talk about Who Dat. What's our favorite role playing game? But it's going to be specific to last week's San Diego Comic Con. A lot happened. There's a lot to talk about. So let's get into it. Oh, I get it. I see now. You've been training for two years to take me out. And now here I am. Ooh, so exciting, isn't it? Okay, here's your chance. Come on. Come on, what are you waiting for? Here I am, right here in front of you. Adolf here gets the first shot. Come on, what are you looking at her for? You need permission? Or maybe you need a little bit of incentive, huh? Okay, I got you. What's the matter? You miss that? It's okay, I can do it again. Dobre, Reinhardt. Dobre. Come on. What, you need a manual? So that is Wesley Snipes from Blade 2, directed by Guillermo del Toro, the best Blade film in the franchise. I will accept no other answers. At Comic-Con, Matt, you are Marishal Ali. You came out and were announced as Blade. And I'm going to sound a little ageist here. When the first Blade came out, Wesley Snipes was 36. He was 40 in Blade 2. Ali's 45. You're 45 now. Also, you're kind of wiry. You know, you're tall and very thin. I, I don't, I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I'm not seeing it. You're a fantastic mm. actor, but I'm, I'm not seeing it. Talk to me. This is a part of the biggest franchise machine that makes all the money. So I'll get the best trainers. I'll get the best you know, dietitians. They turned Chris Pratt from a doughy uh, six-pack guy into this shredded machine for Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't worry about me. I got the commitment, and I'm going to bring something to the role that I think, uh, as an actor of my stature, and I'm going to say that as a person you know, who's obviously very full of himself in this this conversation i think it's going to bring everything to the uh i think everything will be in the forefront i think uh, i'll be able to handle it well don't worry yeah i think i always have to remind myself you know it's 1988 <clears throat> all over again here yeah, like michael keaton is batman are you kidding right. me so almost every time we do that it's it turns out uh turns out wrong you know yep so i don't have to see what happens i don't i just didn't when we first announced i'm like really there's no other. All right. All right. What All do you right. got for me? We know that uh, Terminator Dark Fate is coming out. Don't know a whole ton, a lot about the specifics of the plot, but a lot of the original actors are back. So you're Edward Furlong, and it has been confirmed that you're going to be in this film as John Connor. So what brought you back to this, to this franchise that you had distanced yourself from? John Cameron, he's producing this thing. He gave me a call, and then I'm, you know, I'm doing my own thing right now. I you confess mean, I'm not sure Jim what Cameron? that is, <laughs> <laughs> but still. So yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited to come back to the franchise. Of course, I'm going to come back to do this and, as John Connor. Uh, this is what I've been waiting all these years for. I don't know why we have to keep bringing in all these other people to play me. Never mind the fact you have that just weird, weird decision to blow up the whole point of the franchise to have. My character be the bad guy in one of them. I still don't wrap my head around that. But still, no, of course I'm going to come. What What am I doing? John Cameron calls me up, right? You And he says, listen, we got a new crew. We got a, I got a story. I got a director coming in. I want you back. What am I going to say? No? You're insane. I don't care if the script was written by David Goyer. I'm going to be there. <laughs> Fair, fair enough. Although, you know, I didn't realize that uh, you called him John considering his name is James. Did I say John? <laughs> Twice. Well, <laughs> he wants me to call him John. Oh, okay. Tim Miller, Although, that's right, the guy who did uh, the Deadpool films. Everybody loves Deadpool. Yeah. Me and John, James, whatever. <laughs> I guess I'm wondering what they're going with this film where they... Something about the little girl is now the, the key. It's no longer John Connor. So I'm wondering how... That all changed everything. I'm kind of curious to see how this all plays out. Well, well, you know, the, the future is unwritten all the time. 
it can always be changed every single time. I know, right? It seems very easy to change. Plus, you know, you do have Mackenzie Davis, who is mm. great. So, she is uh, great. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see her as a Terminator. Arnold's back, so that's really all that matters to me. It's true. You and Chris Petiscalzo have the first run fame. That's right. As long as Arnie's back, it's okay. Oh, I pray, Matt, that you've seen this. Have you seen the trailer for Cats? No, no, I've been avoiding it. I've been avoiding it. Well, that's my question. Is your Tom Hopper? Cats. What the hell? <laughs> but you haven't seen it. I mean, I've seen the, the Uncanny Valley pictures all over the place. Like, it's it looks absolutely awful. Absolutely awful. So, okay, so I'm Tom Hopper. This is what... I'm staying true to the, the kind of Broadway roots of this thing this is i mean you don't want a lion king here where you have basically a bunch of house cats with james corden's voice coming out of it no you don't want that you want something that goes back to the to the actual uh you know play that i'm basing this off of trust me it'll be fine and i'm not a secret furry please stop spreading that rumor (laughs) (laughs) i saw i was avoiding the trailer for quite a while myself and it's just it's weird. It's very, very weird. And I don't quite... I'm sorry, did I say Hopper? It's Hooper, right? Is it? I thought it was Hooper, and I had Hooper originally, but then I'm looking him up, and now it is Hopper. So it must have been a typo someplace else that I was looking at. Sorry, folks. Man, I got John Cameron. I got Tom Hopper. It's, it's all right. It's, I called Claire Denise a, a man, so... We are really just knocking out of the park tonight, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, I don't quite... It's just, it's really weird looking. And then I don't quite get to the the sizes of the cats. Like, they're too small sometimes. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm very confused. Very confused. I feel like we have to see it, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be very upset with you for making me go see this thing, but uh, I'll do it for the good of the show. King's Speech was pretty good, if not instantly forgettable. <laughs> I can't believe Idris Elba's in this thing. Yeah. Man. This thing is just crazy. Gross. Gross. All right, what do you got? All right, so you're Tom Cruise. The Maverick trailer. You're you're the uh the Maverick trailer is dropped. So Tommy, looking at this thing, is it just a rehash? Did you just take of the entire original film? Did you just take every scene out of the the original and just slightly tweak it? This is so perfect because I have not seen this trailer yet. Oh, you haven't? (laughs) (laughs) What? Why not? I don't know. I just I I meant to, and then I just lost track of time, and I never I never got around to it. I actually forgot about it until just now. Um, Sure, if it works for Star Wars, why can't I do it? Now I'm assuming I'm going to be older in this one and training a new young pilot. I'm assuming is what's going to happen. Yeah, you're 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 much older. You're still a part of the Top Gun program, and you've kind of forego career advancement so you could stay a pilot. But you're they're basically not needed anymore. Like an admiral slash Captain Kirk, except yeah. they're going to be needed, right? By the end of the film, I'm assuming. Pro- I'm sure. Happen. I'm sure you're going to be needed. Yes. Who's it going to be? Mm, who's it going to be? Because you know the the Al Qaeda's and stuff. They don't have jet fighters. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the Russians, it's heating up again with the Russians. So. Yeah, could be. Could yeah. be. Maybe, uh, probably North Korea. North Korea. Oh, mm-hmm. well, you don't want another, uh, I mean, the president and, and their leader are best friends. So, I mean, can't, can't Mexico, be Mexico. Mm, true. It's Canada. We're going up against Canada. The evil to the north. But sure, yeah. I don't, having, I'm too busy playing, is it basketball? Now is that what it was? Uh, it's gonna football? be football. It's gonna be football. football. If anything, if if anything, uh, and as a side note, Crispy Descalzo, my esteemed co-host, really needs to watch this thing. <laughs> I really do. So let's see, Top Gun Maverick, twenty twenty. That's right. Miles Teller plays the kid, but he's not in the trailer, right? No, not that I noticed anyway. That's weird. Jennifer Connelly, John Hamm, Ed Harris. Oh boy, oh boy. I'm glad Val Val Kilmer's back as Iceman now. <laughs> He's a vice admiral now. Wow, of course he is. Interesting. You've got to watch this trailer. They removed the Taiwanese and Japanese national flags on the jacket. They're saying that maybe it was... Uh, Culturally insensitive. Done, well, done to appease 
China. Oh, okay. Because they don't want to upset them when it comes gotcha. to this. I bet you they're probably bankrolling a bit of this too, Chinese cinema. It'll be the film. I'm trying to see here if, if Kenny Loggins is coming back. I think that's all that really matters. <laughs> that's, that's, the real, that's the real kicker. That's the one thing we need. I'm not seeing anything here, though. Harold Faltermeyer, though, is doing the score with Hans Zimmer. Man, that is quite a duo. Matt, yeah. your Marvel bros or bras are all, all up in arms. You are Natalie Portman. Mm-hmm. You've been announced that you'll be playing a female Thor. Right. What's going on? Well, I guess, you know, I just like to ask these nerds, are they not familiar with the comics? Because this is literally what just happened in the comics. Yeah, but it's more of that SJW crap. Yeah, I would challenge anybody to go out and read it because it's well established that if somebody picks up the hammer. Now, granted, it doesn't seem to be quite that way in the MCU, so well, you'll just have to see how they work that out because of Steve Rogers wielding Mjolnir. But in the comics, if you wield Mjolnir, you become Thor. Um, we've had Throg, the Frog Thor. We have Beta Ray Bill, the Space Horse Thor. So, you know, there's lots of Thors going around. So I don't see what the big deal is about this. And it's not like Chris Hemsworth's character is going away. He's just going to be, he's no longer worthy. He's got his own thing now. So it mirrors the comics. And, and guess what, guys? Believe it or not, if you haven't read that, that uh, sequence of, you know, the Jane Foster run as Thor, it's really, it's really one of the better runs of comics that have come out in probably the past 10 years. So you should really check it out. I never got into Thor, which it bothers me because I think I really would have been. Well, here's the thing: I think I don't think I used to like Walter Simonson's art mm. until I got older, until I yeah. actually really started to appreciate it. So, part of me thinks I'd like to revisit his whole run on Thor. That's considered the golden age of Thor. Yeah, right? it is. And Thor is just patently ridiculous, and it's it's awesome. Like, there's literally a frog Thor, Throg. Right. It's it's amazing. Everybody likes frog Thors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think I'm really excited to check it out. Now, I think everybody too should, should cool their jets, man, because it's it's yeah. not going to be Jane Foster Thor film. It's not what it's going to be, right? Yeah, he's going to be in it. I'm sure she's going to be for a healthy chunk of the film of Thor or Jane Foster. What is? Does she have yeah. a different name, or she's still just Thor? No, she's Thor. So when she become when she has the hammer, she becomes Thor, and. Thor becomes the Odin son because he can't wield Mjolnir anymore. He's not worthy to wield it anymore. He has Stormbreaker, which right. is the other thing. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. So, but I don't see. Yeah, I don't. Do you think that's what's going to do? Is it is it going to be like a Captain Marvel thing where she is the star of that film? I don't think. so. I don't think so because it says you know Tessa Thompson's in it, Chris Hemsworth's in it too. So, I don't think they mess with that. I mean, because here's the thing, not for nothing, but. Chris Hemsworth has turned into the MVP as Thor of like one of the best characters in the MCU. So you'd be insane to like get him out of there. Yeah, man. It's crazy what YTD did with that whole franchise. Yeah, I know it is. It's crazy. And it's crazy what Russo's were able to run with that and just make it fat Thor. I bet you too. That's the only reason why Portman's doing this is because of of YTD. Now I will say the one criticism I do have about it is Portman is a very small woman. I mean, she's got to be, if she's five feet, I'll be impressed. Um, and she probably weighs like a buck, nothing if that. So I don't know having like a, I don't know if they'll have like a body double to come in as when she's Thor to make her like huge and imposing. Um, like the big Viking computer generator up. Yeah. I'm not sure how they're going to go handle that. So I'd be curious. Yeah. I don't know, man. Nat's uh, 38. That's okay. That's what she lets me call her Nat. Because <laughs> you guys are down like that? Yeah, she's cool. Mm-hmm. What is Natalie Portman's height? Let's find out together, folks. 5'3". Okay. So. Taller than I thought she was. Well, she's probably not 5'3", though, right? Right, that's true. She's shoe size 10? Why is that on here, you, you freaks? What's going Seems on? like a huge shoe size for someone who's 5'3". Right? That's really weird. Weirdo Google people. Five foot three. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, here's good. the other little shakes out. All right. Mm-hmm. You got any more for me? I got one more. Cool. All right. So you're Henry Cable. Um, we saw your first your first footage as the Witcher. Better than expected. Looks, I thought it would. Yeah, it looks pretty dope. So, are you kind of moving back away from movies? Or are you going to go back towards prestige no. television like you started? Oh, did in I do tutors? that? What was I? Yeah, you were. He was in the tutors. Yeah, that's where he really got his big start. Oh, okay. Was that like a Showtime thing? 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, I know. I did that on Showtime. No, I think it's the lines are crossed now. Everything's blurred because the quality of television has real. We were in the golden age of television, folks. If you didn't know it, the last what ten years? <laughs> I would say twenty years. Yeah, has been really the golden age. It's no longer a slight to do TV, be a TV actor instead of a movie actor. We go, we we ping pong back and forth now. So no, I don't know if I'll ever be Superman again, but. No, I do this series on Netflix. We'll see how it rolls. You know, there's a, but no, there's a part of, I was talking to this, to Chris Gallows on the first run. I think there's a part of him that thinks that I am like a gigantic a-hole, but I can't quite confirm that. Just a vibe he gets. Yeah. That he, you know, I don't know what it is. I'm sure he's perfectly nice or I'm, I'm sure he thinks I'm perfectly nice, but (laughs) talking to him, I feel like. He's a little suspect to me. I don't know yeah. if he's jealous because I'm so good looking. Yeah, maybe. I don't Is know. Are you yeah, imagining you, that, Matt? What do you think? No, I mean, I would have to say that, uh, Henry, that, uh, you know, that you bring it up. I think that's, that is true. I think that's why I liked you in the kind of conniving villain role so much in Mission Impossible because it seemed to fit your personality. I'm not sure that maybe the failings of Superman are definitely all on Snyder and Coyer. I think that's probably 90% of it, but maybe you're just too much of a little bit of a sleazeball, you know? A little, mm. little off. There was that thing that I said, right, about not being able to take women home anymore. I just hit on them because of the whole Me Too thing. I think sure. I, I think I walked back back a little bit, but mm. I don't know. I just something about I just I don't know what it is, Matt. There's just I, I think he's just, really... just intimidated or jealous about how good looking he is. But yeah. there's just a weird thing because he's good as you know. It's I feel like. He's not a good actor. He's just really handsome. Yeah. But he was, I thought he did a good job as Superman. You know, yeah. I thought he was fine in, what else have I seen him in? Oh, and uh, uh, in Fallout. Yeah. I thought he was really good in that role. Yeah. I never saw The Man from Uncle. I don't know if he was any good in that. No, I have that. That's going to be part of maybe my great unwatched at some point. I well, all I can figure is this. I've seen some interviews with him, and he doesn't seem to like really know that much about his or care that much about his characters or like any kind of their background and stuff like that. So I, he just kind of gives me this vibe that he's like, he's like the quarterback who also doing the drama club and he can do whatever he wants because he's really handsome and he doesn't really have to work hard or put any effort in. He just kind of coasts. And I feel like that's what it is. I think he gets like, maybe that's feel like he is. gets annoyed. Like when he actually has to put in some effort into it, which turns me off. I think that's it. I think you've put your finger on it. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think you may have nailed it. I got one more for you to wrap it up. Okay. So the CW, Arrowverse, CW stuff. Arrow goes away this year, right? I think they're doing eight, nine episodes, maybe ten. Right. But Crisis is here. I finally watched the last episode of The Flash. And let me tell you, this was not a strong season. Okay. At all. It seemed to go on forever with the same plot lines repeated like two or three times throughout this, this whole season. So, but part of the ramifications is that the crisis has been moved up to next season. And the big announcement for me at Comic-Con was Brendan Routh is going to play Superman next year in the Arrowverse. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. And I'm curious. So you're Brendan Routh, Matt. Are you crisis Superman? Are you going to be old Superman with the white Reed Richards hair? Or, or what I'm really hoping for, are you going to be Kingdom Come Superman? Or are you just going to be Superman? Because you're coming, it's supposed to be Superman Returns Superman, right? Sure. Yeah. So, but what version of it are you going to be? I'm kind of curious. Yeah. I think I'm just going to be kind of a pretty much stock Superman that you're used to seeing, maybe a little older, but I don't think they're not written it out to have me be the Kingdom Come or the Crisis Superman. Now, I, I really push for that because, you know, I think the the Kingdom Come one would have been fantastic, uh, but I, I, they didn't decide to go that way. I mean, it already been confusing enough from the the Supergirl version of Superman that's flying around, and not to mention the fact that I also play Ray Palmer, the Atom. Mm-hmm. I am curious how they're gonna because <clears throat> the whole thing about the multiverse is there's different versions of you. Yeah. So it wouldn't be that Ray Palmer is Superman in another reality, right? It would be. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. But listen, I always thought 
Roth got a got a raw deal with Superman Returns too. Yeah, you know. So I mean, it's just a, what it's just a movie of him lifting heavy things throughout <laughs> the whole thing. Though that initial when he shows back up when he rescues the plane, that's fantastic. That is vintage. So good. Yeah, it's I mean, so good. So I don't know. I'm. Fa- it made me want to when I saw the announcement. It made me want to watch Superman Returns again and see if I had appreciated it a little more than I did when it first came out. Yeah. And still, though, the biggest letdown from a trailer to a film, I think, ever. Yeah, that the trailer first, rocks. It was so good. Yeah. If you haven't seen the Superman Returns trailer with the, uh, I think it's the Planet Krypton music as it opens. Yeah. Possibly my favorite trailer of all time. And also, so, too, one other night note, too, that I'm finally, I'm excited that finally in this season of Supergirl, I'm two seasons behind at this point, but this upcoming season, they're ditching the skirt. Oh, okay. And it's about time. It never made any sense. It is so ridiculous that she had a skirt. I know that's what happens in the comics, but it's just, it's dumb. It's not practical. We're not even going to get into Power Girl's suit. Man, do you think they're going to have a Power Girl? They're going to have Melissa Benoit with a huge cleavage cutout <laughs> wearing, a, wearing a one-piece bathing suit, basically? So ridiculous. But I'm glad she's getting a full outfit with tights and everything. So good for her. And do you have any other thoughts or discussion points about the Comic-Con this year? I know DC really didn't. There's no Warner Media, right? There's none yeah. of that stuff this year. Yeah. But Star Wars didn't have a big presence there either, right? No, they didn't because they've got the one film coming up. And then, you know, obviously uh, Dan and Dave from Game of Thrones, they skipped out because there was quite a there was a, a grassroots campaign to get uh, to get some pitchforks going when they got up on stage for the game of thrones final game of thrones panel but uh they they dipped out they still doing that are they the ones doing the um the confederate show is that still happening on HBO? Uh, that's not happening they are okay, doing something for star wars fair enough yeah all right those are your who to answer this week how would you answer those questions shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com lots of errors this week we have a lot of interns to fire it's going to take quite some time Next week on the big show, though, well, I think it's the closest thing we have to an event film around here, Matt. And that is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Are you mm-hmm. aware that this is two hours and 48 minutes long? Uh, I wasn't aware, but I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm going to go see it anyway, so yeah, why even complain about it? Yeah, it's not Hateful Eight long. That's what yeah. I should do is I should finish watching uh, the uh, Hateful Eight there. The, the new version, the TV yeah, version. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched version. the TV version of it yet. No. So, and they're also supposed to be doing Dragged Across Concrete, which is the Vince Vaughn, uh, Mel Gibson film. <laughs> Another long one, too. Matt, that's like two and a half hours, too. Great. We're really sticking it to us this month, this week, aren't we? So, uh, pack a lunch. Stay the day. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you will find us. Shoot us an email, feedback at thefirstrun.com. Go to the website itself. You find lots of fun stuff there. Go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. That'll help other people find the show. Matt, let's go ahead and take an extended break, and we'll see you all soon.